excited for God's ministry here in this neighborhood. One of the reasons that it's so cold in here is because we had a work day yesterday and we cleaned out the filters on these AC units and therefore they're flowing a lot more efficiently than we're used to. So thank you to Drew for doing that yesterday and thank you everyone for coming out uh, that came out for the work day yesterday. Uh, things are a lot cleaner and more put together here. We're going to be mostly in the book of Ephesians this morning. You can turn to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. Before that, I'm going to read one verse from Romans chapter 16. And we're setting up a new series today that's going to go for the next five weeks called God is Able. Um, words on the front of your bulletin, the words above my head here in this building, the words that uh, we're going to rally around in the scriptures themselves. Uh, about 90% of the time, 80 to 90% of the time, we, with our sermon series, go passage by passage through books of the Bible. That's our normal practice, but it's really good sometimes to uh, step back and see a little bit more of the, uh, the forest rather than the individual trees. And we do that with series about different um, words in Scripture, different concepts, different um, theological things. We did a series on the ascension. That's the name of our church, and so that's a good thing to study. We're going to be looking at this phrase in Scripture, God is able. That phrase comes up a lot more than you think, and maybe even more than you think, because when you read it, that phrase in the Scripture, you may not always be reading the words God is able, because those are the words that are in English, but the Greek word behind able or ability is the same word as power. It's, it's, it's dunamis. It's the same word that we get our word dynamite from. God is powerful. God is able. So oftentimes, even the translation is not able, but it's uh, power or ability or something like that, and it comes up all the time in Scripture. And the way that we're going to be going through this, we're also going to be talking about the next season of our church and what we feel like God's calling us to do to root ourselves and more establish ourselves in this neighborhood for the long haul and beginning our uh, campaign to raise funds for the phase three of the ABLE project. And you're going to be hearing more about that in these coming weeks. I want to read these passages as a way to set up for us why even theologically, why biblically, we would be in this place and studying these things and even have the ability to have a building and to have a faith in Phoenix, Arizona. That may be a given for you. Maybe you know that America has churches and uh, maybe you even grew up in the church and, and this is kind of very normal for you. Sunday is kind of when you go to worship, but it's not a given in Scripture or in history, that, that we would even be here. It's actually an amazing thing. And I want us to lay the foundation today by talking about that first. Let me just read from the very end of the book of Romans this one verse. It says, God is able. And then he brings up a mystery that he further explains. This is the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 25 of Romans 16 says, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. What is this mystery? Turn 
to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. It's in your bulletin as well. We'll read a few more verses starting in verse 19 going into chapter 3. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a temple in the Lord. In him also are, you are being built together into a dwelling place for, the, for God by the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery, there's that word again, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. This is the word of the Lord. I want to remind you, some of you, and some of you tell you for the first time, the story about why we're sitting in this building. As we talk about Able Project Phase 3 coming up, um, and why we called it Able Project, and why we're even here. Um, we, have, we are a small church. We've been around for a number of years, and we've hopped from place to place. We've actually been in five different locations. Um, it's very hard to find church space in Phoenix, uh, for, not because there's a lack of space, but because there's a lack of openness in a lot of places to have a church uh, worshiping there. And for years and years, I won't go into all the details of this struggle, but as a church plant, we hopped from place to place. We changed our times. We were morning. We were evening. We were afternoon. I'll shorten this story by saying that in the last couple of years of our search, I had my eye on this property. God may be calling us to this area, this place where we are right now. And um, I would actually drive into this parking lot and would pray for this church periodically. Every few months, I would just stop in. But I couldn't get a hold of anybody that was here. I, I would see a few cars here from time to time, but I wouldn't know what was, what was going on. But I would just be praying for this because I would be praying, wouldn't, wouldn't this be a wonderful place for a church? Lord, wouldn't this be a place that you would uh, be glorified? It's right here. It's, very, it's right. You throw a dart on the map of Phoenix. We're right in the middle, right? We are the bullseye of Phoenix. This seems like a great spot. It's right next to the highway, Highway 51, where there's, there's lots of traffic and, and people can easily get to it. Not only that, though, there's no exit from the 51. There's exits on Thomas and on Indian School, but there's no exit on Osborne. And therefore, this place has seemed like such a great neighborhood. Right? There's not a lot of through traffic for that reason, even though it's right in the center. It's a neighborhood church, and it's a central church. And so for months, I would pray for this building, and, um, and I couldn't get in touch with anybody here. Finally, Pastor Dave and I connected. He is the pastor of Valley Bible Church, 
which was the original owners of this church. They've been here since the 1950s. Some form of, of this church has been here since the 1920s. If you can imagine what the 1920s looked like in Arizona here, it was barely even a state, right? Um, and, um, and there was some kind of country church here. And this, this church, this uh, city has grown up around this church. It's amazing. But since the 1950s, Valley Bible Church has been here and has carried the torch of the gospel in this neighborhood, and we finally got in touch with one another and were able to, to start talking about what would it look like for us to rent. We were just rent, wanting to rent here, and we were finally able to connect. It was a little bit of a, of a dance at first. We come from different traditions, different theological traditions that um, these two churches, um, but in the end... Valley Bible Church gave the okay, and not only that, they immensely blessed us. They let us move into here. This was in 2018. We moved in um, 2019. Is that right? 2018, 2019. And we, um, they let us put a sign on the building. They let us rent all the classrooms, very inexpensive rent, and they just rolled out the red carpet for us and blessed us, recognizing that God was moving in this church in a in a way, in a fresh way, and even our name then was New Valley Church, and they were Valley Bible Church, so we were like the new version of them in a sense. That's what they told me. Um, it was just such an amazing thing. God is able, right? Through, through years of, of searching for the right thing, this was the space that he had for us, and it was prayed for, and he, was, he had the ability to bring us in. And so, of course, when we walked in, and we saw above us that God is able sign, and that that was their phrase for, for the last uh, 60, 70 years as a church, we recognized that there was a connection there between what God was doing in them and now what God is doing in us. Beautiful. Their story became now part of our story and ours part of theirs. And by the way, Valley Bible Church still meets here. They're meeting in this room um, they have a perpetual lease with us, and they'll be here for as long as they want to be here. They still actually are tenants here. But what God did is after a year of us being here, we began discussions about purchasing this building from them and giving them that perpetual lease. And again, it was a story of God is able. As we went into the negotiations, as we talked about things, as we talked about finances and value and worth and payments and all these things, it was like at every stage, it was a God is able story. We would have a, you know, a question, a tension, how are we going to do that? that that's not going to be possible. Where are we going to get this money? And then we would get the money. And, and how is this going to work with the two churches being here? And then there's a Russian church that meets with, uh, here in the evenings as well. How is that all going to work? And then we would solve the problem and it would be like, man, that that just came at the right time. God is able. At each stage, we felt that. And then when, after we purchased the building in the middle of the pandemic, by the way, for about six or eight weeks, we were worshiping online. And so we actually purchased the building and didn't have a Sunday service that week. It was really weird. Um, but when we came back into the building, we, we started looking through the attic space and we found the old blueprints of the church. And there, stamped on the corner, God is able. The original design of the building looks exactly like the front of your bulletin. That font, God is able, 
that Cameron traced for us and then copied it and put it in yellow, but it wasn't in yellow originally, but that was the stamp on the building plans of this church. From the beginning, this place, 18th Street in Osborne, has been a place where God's ability, His power, has been on display. It's been evident from the very beginning that God is doing what He wants to do here, and that we, just like Valley Bible Church, are merely a part of the next part of His story. And so we decided to name whatever we do with this building, Abel. This is the Abel Project. It is our attempt to steward well the building that God has given to us, the property, the location, for the season, however long that is, that He gives us to do it. Because He is the one who's doing what He wants to do in the world. That's our story of arriving here. But what I want us to do this morning is I want us to root our desire for this building and our desire for a location here in Phoenix, not just as a nice story of what would happen to a nice little church that would then have a nice little building, you know, with nice little updated bathrooms, you know, please Lord, you know, like that's a good story, but it's not the great story. We are part of a much bigger thing that God is doing in the world. And I want us to see this and be amazed by it because this is what the Scripture says. Three questions I want us to ask this morning. How did we get here? And I mean that literally. Like, why are we here worshiping? How did we get here? What does it mean? And what do we do? How did we get here? What does it mean? And what do we do? First, how did we get here? Literally, if you are a Christian this morning you're here and you claim the name of Christ, very few of you, if any, have a Jewish claim, Jewish blood, Jewish ancestry, and yet you are talking about an Israelite. And it's not just something that we sometimes mention, it's actually the main thing that we talk about, Jesus Christ, this Israelite from the, you know, the crossroads of history, right at year zero that we've named, why are we here talking about him? Why are we pouring over a document written in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, and yet when we read it, we're saying, that's speaking to me. That's my story. Have you ever thought about why that would be the case? Why? How did we get here? We need to see a couple of things that Paul unfolds for us. He says the fact that we are here is unexpected, and it is a gift. It is unexpected. We are not natural claims. We don't have a natural claim to these promises. In Romans 16.25, it says, God is able to strengthen you according to the gospel, according to the mystery that was kept secret. What is this mystery? The first mysterious thing is that Paul himself would be a representative to the Gentiles, not the Jews. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3 of Ephesians. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Jesus Christ on behalf of the Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of the grace that was given to me, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written to you briefly. Paul is a prisoner 
of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles. That's crazy. That's not expected. This was not Paul's wonderful plan for his own life. He was a Jew of Jews. You can't out-Jew Paul, okay? That's the point he makes. I'm not trying to be offensive. In Philippians 3, he says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews as to regards the law of God, a Pharisee. I was the perfect model of Jewish citizenship. I even persecuted Christians. Paul was not naturally someone who would have ministered to the Gentiles. He hated the Gentiles. He was all about the selectivity of God's people Israel. He had every distinguishing feature of being God's select people, but this mystery happened, and suddenly he's a prisoner, okay? There's still a little bit of reluctance there, okay? He's also going to call it a gift in a second, so he likes his calling, but okay, he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ for God's mission. He's not, he, he wasn't born just loving to go, we're reading from Ephesians, this is, this is not a Jewish city. This is not a Jewish audience. This is not someone that he would have said, like when he was being trained by the Rabbi Gamaliel, he was the perfect model of the student of God's law. And it had nothing to do with Ephesus. And yet, unexpectedly, now he is a prisoner for the mission of God to the Gentiles. What is the mystery that he keeps talking about? Verses 4 through 6 tells us, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by his Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. What is the mystery? The Gentiles, that is all of us in this room that don't have Jewish blood, are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise. How does that happen? Paul tells us in Romans chapter 11 that what God did is he took off some of the natural branches. He cut off some of the natural branches of this olive tree, so to speak. That is Israel. Some of those branches were dead. And he removed them, and then God grafted onto this tree. He placed onto this tree branches that did not naturally belong there. And he grew them. And now they are a part of the tree fully. That is, the Gentiles, all those who were outside of God's initial promises to Israel, were not natural branches. They were then attached to this tree. Israel, who God poured out his love on, is now made up of Jews and Gentiles. And this was a mystery. Now, why was it a mystery? Some would say, doesn't seem very mysterious. If you read the Bible, you can see this was God's plan all along. 
Where's the mystery? Doesn't the Bible talk about going to every nation? Well, yes, it does. It's not a complete mystery. There have a couple of things we need to say. There have always been prophets and those who knew God's plan of spreading to the ends of the earth. There have always been hints and even more than hints. I mean, we see in Genesis chapter 12 when uh, Abraham gets his call from the Lord. He says, you will be blessed. In you, every family on the earth will be blessed. You are blessed so that you will be a blessing to the nations. This was Israel's call. The prophets say that Israel was meant to be a light to the nations. They were not just randomly there or randomly chosen. God spoke. He set his love on these people, but it was also a, a central place in the ancient world where a crossroads between Africa and Europe and Asia was right here, Israel, this central spot from which the warmth of God's plan was to go out to the whole world, to be a light to the nations. This was always God's plan. What was the mystery then? Well, many of the particulars had not been revealed. For instance, no one knew that God would not require circumcision. If Israel was to be the light to the nations, wouldn't it make sense, just like it was in the Old Covenant, when uh, someone comes into Israel, they must be circumcised, they must receive the mark of God's people. And then, then that way, more and more people will become Israelites, not by birth, but by choice. That's new. Because Paul says there is no circumcision, no need for it. There, you don't actually need that to be part of God's people. It's a huge mystery revealed. That, that the Jewish diet wouldn't be required. That we could, you know, be here in America and enjoy barbecue and still be in the family of God. That was a new thing. Some of the particulars needed to be revealed. But it was also a mystery because many of the people, by and large, everyday citizens ignored the promises of God to be a light to the nations, and they struggled to always be inward. This is God's main problem with Israel throughout the Old Covenant, that they were just going through the motions and focused on themselves when He had created them to be the light to the world, to the nations. It is a mystery, not a complete mystery, but its particulars and its practice now being so widespread was a huge change for God's people. It's a mystery, it's unexpected, and it is a gift. Now Paul says, it's a gift. Of this gospel I was made a minister according, this is verse 7, to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of of His power. This calling was a gift. The gospel itself is a gift according to God's power. By the way, there's your first example. God is able. It's the same word. According to God's ability. This is how it happened. The mystery is a gift. The fact that we are sitting at 18th Street in Osborne in Phoenix, Arizona, in the year of our Lord, 2022, is a mystery that God planned as a gift. We are not God's natural branches. We have been grafted in. 
And so any church in America or many other places in the world, any church in America needs to recognize first and foremost that we are a fourth circle church. What do I mean by a fourth circle church? I mean that in the Acts chapter 1 sense. The gospel will spread to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are about as far as you can get from Jerusalem. According to a scientific Google search this week, 7.5 thousand miles as the crow flies to Jerusalem from here. As the crow flies, but of course a crow can't fly that far, right? So if that's a straight shot, we are thousands and thousands of miles away from what God initially did and where he did it. You need to see, it is not a given that we are here. It is a gift that we are here because God in his mercy planned for the expansion of his kingdom to go from Jerusalem to Judea throughout Samaria. That was the first shock that the people of Samaria would be included in this all the way to the ends of the earth. And that we can be here and not have to be circumcised and not have to have the traps, trappings of the Israelite identity, but that we can be free in Christ as Americans to be here today is because of God's unexpected gift. How did we get here? That's how God brought us in. What does it mean? Second question. What does it mean? Well, we need to realize that when we read Ephesians 3, verse 1, we came in in the middle of an argument. That's why Paul says, for this reason. For what reason, we might ask. Go back up to verse 19, where we see the reasons that Paul gives. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. What does it mean? Three designations that we Gentile Christians, far away from the promise but brought in, can now claim for ourselves, you are first a citizen. You are citizens of what? Though we are citizens of different countries, now we are citizens with the saints. We have a dual citizenship, the Scripture says. We are citizens wherever God has placed us, and we are citizens of heaven. And that dynamic is a is part of the Christian life, is that we live elsewhere. We live with Christ in God, but we also live in Phoenix. This is where we are. We're citizens, and we have a deeper citizenship with God. We are members of the household of God. God, in His mercy, doesn't just call us citizens of a kingdom, He calls us children in his family. Apart from his gift, we have nothing to do with this story. But because of his gift, we are not only part of the story in a general sense, we are actually 
in the family of God. We who are far off. The scripture says that we are by nature and by our own sin enemies of God. We are enemies of God and yet what God does is doesn't just make us friends, doesn't give us just peace. He gives us a family in Him. He invites us to His table. Citizens, members, and we are stones. He says, built on the foundation, verse 20, of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, stones in the structure of worship for the name of God. This structure has a definite shape. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So what we are doing here today is not just American Christianity, even though we are in America. It is a faith that was handed down to us. That's why in a few minutes we're going to do the Apostles' Creed, this earliest version that we can tell of some of the things that the earliest church would say, put together to say, this is what was handed down, what we believe in, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in His church. We, we are not reinventing the wheel here. This is our foundation. It's what the apostle said, and we are being built as stones in a structure for the worship of God. At the very foundation is the good news. Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. What is a cornerstone? That is the stone upon which the whole building rests. Even the foundation is worthless without the cornerstone in this structure. For this reason, Paul says, I was made prisoner for Christ Jesus, so that I could tell this story to you, that you are a stone in God's temple of worship. You belong in this story. And the only reason that you are here, and the only reason that I am here, and if you have faith this morning, the only reason that you have faith is because your life is built on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. You would not be a stone Worshiping in the building of God's people without Christ. You would not be a citizen of God's kingdom without Jesus Christ bringing you into this new nation. You would not be a member of the household of God without Christ. Because when Christ died and was raised from the dead for our justification, what He did is He purchased us back. That is the word redemption. He brought us, redeemed us. Yes, us who were here this morning far off from God's promises. He brought us in and He gave us the rights and the privileges so that we can be called the sons and daughters of God. In fact, You've not only been grafted into the story of Israel, you have more than the rights and the privileges and the favor that Israel had. You have all of the rights, privileges, and favor that God has given His Son. Because we have been united with Him by faith, and we are brought into the family of God. And all of this is according to God's power God is able. That's what it means. Finally, what do we do? 
Well, I think the names of the three things I just mentioned tell us something about what it is our function is. We are citizens, we're members, and we are stones. We are citizens. That is, we are called to be good dual citizens. Members of the, uh, of the heavenly kingdom, but called into exile here in Phoenix, where God has us right now, to be good members of Phoenix, citizens. We're also members of the household of God. That tells us that it's our calling to be good members of the family. That is to embody hospitality, to be Christ's hands and feet in the, wherever it is that he's called us to be the loving presence that a family is for us, we would be for the world. We are stones in the temple. And that, call, that identity comes with a calling. If we're going to be these worship, this worshiping building, that means that we're called to be worshipers in our lives that we are called to create places of worship in places like Phoenix so that we can come together designed to have an impact where we worship God from the heart. Our identity becomes our calling. And those three things, what do they all have in, in common? To be a stone, to be a member, to be a citizen. Each are a picture of something singular that's important to a whole. And this is what God has called us to do. In his big plan, we have been made into a dwelling place for God. Each of those pictures is a dwelling place, a container, and we are part of it. And this is what he says. You are being built together into a dwelling place for God. All of us who are far off, who have been brought in by faith, if you have faith in Jesus, now have this calling to be this way in the world. I say all of that this morning to give us these three pictures of what we are doing here today. We are not here worshiping here to be a nice, just a nice little place where we have some nice friends and we have hopefully a little nicer bathrooms. That is wonderful, but it's so small compared to what God has done in the world and is doing. The Three pictures that we have on our website that are driving the ABLE project are these three words that have the backdrop of these three terms in Scripture, heart, home, and city. Heart, a place of worship where we are stones, where we're going to be here because this is a place where we are shaped by God's Word in the classrooms throughout the week and on Sunday mornings and in this room where we hear God's Word, where we practice. We are here to to have people who have hearts who are changed by God. Home, we are here to be hospitable. We are members of the household of God. Shouldn't we be great hospi hospitality people in this place where God has called us? City, we are citizens of heaven, but we are also citizens here. Wouldn't it be a part of our calling to, in whatever way that we can, Serve this city, serve this neighborhood where we have been called. We are members, citizens, and stones. And therefore, we are creating here a place for the heart, a home, and a, city, and a connection to our city where God has called us. I wanted to 
start today just by talking about this as the backdrop. Why are we here? What are we doing here? It has so much more to do uh, with the plan of God than it has to do with our individual 10-year-old story as a church plant becoming a plant. We are now out, an outpost of the mission of God in all of the world. And I want us to take that seriously, that we have a calling based on our identity. And that is what we are shaping this whole project based on. I want to close today just by sharing a few thoughts of where we are going and, um, and to fill you in. And so, Rob, you can throw up this slide with our uh, capital campaign that we're going to be starting. You do not need to write this down. You're going to receive this as a card in a couple of weeks. But basically, we have put you know, the things that we want to do in this building into these categories because this is why we want to do them. And what we're going to be seeking to do is raise roughly $100,000 for each category uh, where we are trying to become a home. That is that bathroom renovation. It's right up there. It's number one. Uh, living room. That is uh, this uh, space behind us here that's used for the moms and also used in the education space. The hallways, the kitchen, the lobby, the fellowship hall, basically everything that would be embarrassing about having someone in your home, all right? You want to be hospitable, you're like, well, my home's a wreck. Well, that's okay for a while, right? Uh, but, but eventually, you want to have a little bit nicer space, right, for people. We want to create that home. Place for the heart. This is the heart of the worshiping community, these are the things that will help us, equip us further to uh, be a worshiping community. Sanctuary renovation, worship furniture, uh, the offices, the classrooms, so that this can be a place that's functional and beautiful for the worship of God's people here in this room and in the classrooms. Finally, we want to be a place in the city that is welcoming, where we are citizens and called to be. We want the entrance to be welcoming. We want to, uh, to light up. This is a kind of a dark place at night, and, and there can, you know, it's, it's an invitation to some things that we don't want to happen and that kind of thing. Uh, landscaping, reports, all this stuff. This is a very big cursory overview. We actually have a spreadsheet of every single thing detailed out, um, and we'd be happy to share that with anybody that wants to see what the allowances are that we're trying to create for each of these things. This is not uh, something that we just came up with this week. This has been months in preparation uh, of, of talking about, and I want to encourage you to start thinking about this in a couple of different ways. To know this is why we're here. We are an outpost of God's mission in the world. It's not a given that we would be here. It's a gift. And with the gift that we've been given, we want to make this place a great worshiping community for the next 60 years so that uh, our story, like Valley Bible Church, we're just taking up the torch and we're doing what God does, which is in every generation, He has His people. On August 7th, so that's four weeks from now, um, we're going to have a give day here at the church where we are basically trying to raise this 300, uh, what is it exactly, $308,444, not a penny more, not a penny less, no, I'm just kidding. I love that very specific number. Uh, that's why I wanted to include that. Um, no, uh, th this, is, this is, obviously there's going to be allowances for things. Uh, construction is very hard right now. There's ups and downs of prices and lumber, et cetera, et cetera. So um, this is an estimation that we have based on good data from a contractor who happens to be an elder here as well, Rob. So thank him when you see him. 
On the 7th, we want to have a give day where we give just kind of the first fruits. We want to see if we can raise some of this money and get started on some of these projects. These is not necessarily the order in which we're doing things because of construction and, you know, certain things need to happen before other things. There's going to be some, um, you know, some flexibility in which projects we tackle first, uh, but we're going to be working on them uh, roughly together, but, but in a slightly different order than this. Um, what we, our conviction is that we would do whatever God's people raised to do and not do more or less than that. And so um, we are hoping to raise a significant portion of this on day one and then also to raise whatever we can over the next 15 months. So on the August 7th, we're going to have a give day where you can give towards uh, this, that, that day. That is online, that is check, that is cash, uh, stock gifts. We're also able to receive and setting that up right now. Um, and then for the following 15 weeks, we're going to ask you to consider what you could give monthly towards this. And so we should know day one, committed that day and committed over the next 15 months, how much progress we've made on, on that goal. And there's a tracker out in the lobby that we're going to be updating as we receive these funds that you can watch as well. What I want us to do today is just to start to consider this. Consider how you might give towards this and consider what it is that God's calling you to do to give generously and sacrificially to this because this is where God has us. This is the place that he's called us to. If this is your church home, consider giving to this because this is our mission, not just to be a place for ourselves. You're going to hear more about this in the coming weeks. We want this to be a place for the neighborhood and for other churches to use and all kinds of things we have planned. We've said from the beginning it would be a shame if when we purchased this building, it sat empty six days a week and it was only here on Sunday and there's cars in the parking lot and then they leave. We have never had that vision and praise God, there are so many things going on this, during the week here already. There are three churches that meet here. There are other groups that rent out the space, and the churches used it also throughout the space. There's a drama group that meets here. We have the Russian language school on Saturdays. We want this place to be used every day of the week for God's mission purposes. And so that has been the vision from day one. Uh, it is complicated. It makes staff really hard. We have to figure out who's going to be here, who's going to unlock door codes, all kinds of stuff. It's worth it because what God has called us to is not just to be an entity unto ourselves, but rather we are the outpost of what he is doing in the world. We're a fourth circle. We're the farthest bit of the fourth circle that you can get. And yet he has been pleased to give us the gift of welcoming us into his family. And we want to be faithful to that calling. So please consider giving towards that day, and we're going to be giving more information as we go. Let's pray. Father, what can we do?